Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. Good. Well, good morning. Great to see you all this morning. For those of you who I haven't met, my name is Rhys, and uh, we're just so glad to welcome you here this morning. I uh, often say at the beginning of God is Lord over all, and uh, that He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and uh, we'll be speaking about that this morning. We're talking about the fact that God is our safe place, that we can trust Him, that He's a good Father. We'll be speaking about that this morning. So it's so wonderful to step up to speak, knowing that God has already been speaking, and uh, that those He's been speaking through actually have no idea what I'm going to be speaking on. Uh, And so God loves to confirm His Word among us. Um, Thank you, darling. Just over the last few weeks, particularly since we started this um, couple of uh, talks on um, spiritual warfare, on how we understand the interaction of the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, From various things. Uh, I think God is doing something among us right now, which is really quite wonderful. We want to see more of that. What I'm doing this morning is uh, I'm, I'm coming to the end of those three messages. Uh, and just to say, as I talk about deliverance this morning, um, the last two weeks I've laid the foundation for what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. I don't have time to go back over that foundation. So if you've missed either of the last two weeks, I really would encourage you to go back and listen to those two messages. I'm going to assume that content this morning. Now we've been, uh, since October, we've been walking through a series which we've called Alive in Christ, uh, talking about how we walk in Jesus and... um, Uh, In in that process, we've talked about how our identities are in Him. The past has gone, the new has come, that we learn to reign in life, that we learn what it means, that we are conquerors in Christ and that we uh, begin to live in that way. So we've talked about that. We've talked about the significance of repentance, changing the way we think leads to a change in behavior. When we come to God in repentance, when we say, I'm sorry for what we've done, we begin to turn towards Him, do the things that He calls us to do, how that changes the way we live. We've talked about freedom from family sin patterns. We've talked about forgiving others and how that frees us from resentment and anger and bitterness. And uh, the, the, in one sense, the cancers of the soul, the things that eat us from the inside. We've talked about how Jesus heals wounds in our souls. We've talked about how Jesus frees us from fear, fears of all kinds.
ways that we think that can enslave us. So today I'm going to be really practical. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit more of a how, uh, but in the, in the how I also need to talk through what do we believe as we come to the how. And um, one of the things just to say, I'm going to give an opportunity for us at the end of this message to minister to people. And uh, it may be that you over the last few weeks have found God setting you free of something. Uh, What I'd love to do at the end of the meeting is just give an opportunity for a few people to share. Uh, There's something really important about us hearing one another's stories about us hearing what God's doing in one another's lives. For some of us, it, it just uh, it helps uh, give sort of a sense of concrete to what God's doing in our lives. For others of us, it gives us courage to step into what God wants to do. Encourage people to be courageous and just come and share. Uh, but I just want to say right at the outset, there is no pressure whatsoever to share. Uh, and so um, it may be that no one comes up, and that's absolutely fine. But I do want to give an opportunity for it. And if that is you, if, if you uh, know that God's done something in your life over these last few weeks in terms of setting you free, I'd love to encourage you to come and testify to that so that others might take courage in what God wants to do in them. Okay, let's pray. Father... We thank you that Jesus is the heir of all things and that in Jesus you have made a way for us to be saved, that you have come, uh, that you've given your chosen son, the son that you love, for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. take our judgment in our place and to open up a way of mercy for us so we can come and confidently say this is the truth of our lives. We can be open and and honest about what's really going on, knowing that your One, two. Oh, sounds like we got sound that way. All right. All right. We'll go with this for now. Okay, so I want to begin just with a passage that many of you, many of you will be familiar with because we looked at it in life groups this week. Enjoy God together in a more personal uh, way than we can on a Sunday morning in a meeting of this size. Uh, so we've been doing that this week. And so I want to read that passage and I want to draw some stuff out that will help us this morning. Acts 19 verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. I love that phrase that you, Luke uses. Uh, Paul wasn't just doing miracles. He was doing extraordinary miracles. Something is going on in what is happening in Ephesus with Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits 
came out of them. Quite phenomenal what God was doing. And some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, obviously, In Paul uh, casting out demons in the name of the Lord Jesus, they thought, we'll have, the, we'll have a go as well. Uh, invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. Paul I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> and the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. So they all fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of Them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver, uh, what would be measured in uh, at least a million dollars in our day. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Last week I asked the question uh, Can a Christian have a demon? Dan Evans sent me a really great quote this week uh, by Dr. Neil Anderson. He said, Some evangelicals believe that Christians cannot be affected or influenced by demons. Even the suggestion that demonic influence can be part of the problem prompts the hasty disclaimer, Impossible! I'm a Christian! Such thinking removes the church from the position of having an adequate Nothing has been done, nothing has done greater damage to diagnosing church problems than this untruth. If Satan can't touch the church, why are we instructed to put on the armor of God, to resist the devil, to stand firm, and to be alert? If we are not susceptible to being wounded or trapped by Satan, why does Paul describe our relationship to the powers of darkness as a wrestling match? Those who deny the enemy's potential for destruction are the most vulnerable to it. Now, what I want to contend this morning is that the church is a place uh, of freedom. God wants his people, God wants the church to be a place where people get set free and where people live in freedom. That's God's heart for his people. And uh, many of us will have heard that, heard that phrase. They tend to pass that on. They tend to act out of that damage, out of that hurt, and cause hurt and damage to others. But in the same way, free people free people. People who are free, people who are free from damage, people who are, are sorted out, cleaned up inside, tend to bring that to others as well. And so God wants His church to be a free people who free people. 
That's God's heart for us as a church. And, and so over these last couple of weeks, we've talked quite a lot about setting people free. And that's what we want to get into the practicality of today. So in this story that we've just read, Paul is leading the way. People are being healed and people are being set free. But what's interesting is that many have come to faith in Jesus, but there are areas of their lives that still have not got cleaned out. Stalled in the community, there's a new seriousness, a new awareness of the significance uh, of the spiritual realm, and people in the church start coming forward and saying, hey, I've got this area of uncleanness in my life. Hey, this is going on in my life. Hey, I've got all this stuff from occultic background that's just been part of my life all these years, even since I've come to faith in Jesus. It's still kind of been in there, and I, I, I want to confess it. I want to get it out. I want to deal with it now. So, so something's beginning to happen. And uh, there's another little phrase that we use that I think is really helpful. What is buried alive stays alive. Okay, so when we put things down, when we just uh, pretend they don't exist, when we walk past them and, and treat them as if, well, you know, We need to be set free. We need to be healed and set free in order to live healed and live free. When we fear God more than our, uh, those around us, and that's what's happening in this passage, the church are beginning to fear God. And, and I, when I say fear God, I mean that in a healthy sense. They're beginning to see the wonder of who Jesus is. They're, ex, they're encountering his authority. They're beginning to say, this spiritual battle I'm in matters, and I need this stuff out of my life. I don't want this anymore. And, and the church is beginning to say, I, I want to be purged. I want to be clean of this rubbish, of this nonsense that is affecting me. So the stakes just got higher. The church is realizing our battle isn't against flesh and blood. We need to get cleaned out of all of this stuff. And, and lives. And if we live with that stuff in us, we will continue to repeat the habits uh, of that stuff as we come, as we walk through our Christian life. And it'll emerge in our relationships. It'll leak out in the way that we, uh, in the way that we relate to others, our spouse, our family, our kids, uh, our workplace, our friends. It'll do damage in our lives. So the first thing that I want us to see is that deliverance is an authority issue. The sons of Sceva have been watching the way Paul handles authority. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. I command you to leave this person. Paul uh, speaks in the authority of the name of Jesus when he's driving out demons. And they've seen uh, him simply by wielding the name of Jesus like a formula. 
you have authority by knowing Jesus and by being in, in right relationship with Jesus. So that's why the demons will say, Jesus we know. Paul we've heard about, but who are you? The, the demon's asking, who, who, you know, you say Jesus, but who are you? What authority do you come with? So it's so important that we have a right understanding of authority and submission when it comes to uh, living free and setting others free. So James 4 verse 6 says, Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So I spoke in the first... Understanding of authority. Now, there are a couple of places in Scripture where uh, we have a glimpse of what happened to Satan, how he fell, that he was a created angel and that he turned against God. And one of those glimpses is in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 14, uh, verse 12 to 15. And I want you just to notice what emerges out of this, uh, this prophetic word about what happened to Satan. Isaiah writes, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. So obviously this was a very beautiful, powerful, glorious angel. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will make myself like the Most High, but you are brought down to Sheol, the place of the dead, and to the far reaches of the pit. What we're seeing here is that Satan raised himself up. Satan said, I will ascend. I will set my throne. I will make myself my, like the Most High. Satan's heart was filled with arrogance and with rebellion. Now contrast this with Jesus. Okay? Contrast what we see of Satan, I will ascend with Jesus. Philippians 2 says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, though he was very God, though he was the substance of God already, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, did not use it for his own benefit, but emptied himself... By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so Satan raised himself up in arrogance what did God do? He brought him low. Jesus lowered himself to become the servant of all, choosing obedience, making himself obedient, even obedient to going through our death on the cross. And what did God do? God exalted Jesus.
world through. When people are all about exalting themselves, you know where their motivation is coming from. When people are all about laying themselves down and serving others, you know where that motivation is coming from. See, the demons recognized Jesus and they trembled. So Jesus has all authority. God has given Jesus all authority. Jesus comes and starts walking on earth. What happens? Demons begin to recognize him. So, for example, in Mark 1 verse 3, it says, And immediately there was in their synagogue, so Jesus has gone to the synagogue uh, on a Sabbath, and uh, there was a, a man with an unclean spirit at the synagogue, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Into the room. Okay? Now, 1 John uh, 4, verse 1, John speaks to us about how we are to understand the authority of Christ in us. It's not, just, it's not just Jesus who has authority. When we are in him, when we are relating, when we're related to him, when we trust him, that authority comes through us as well. 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out in the world, but this... You know, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard. You are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. That's why the seven sons of Sceva could not drive the demon out. Jesus was not in them. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So Satan raised himself up. Jesus lowered himself. God gave Jesus authority. And Jesus says to us in Matthew 28, uh, all authority is given to me. All authority is mine. And he sends us in his name bearing his authority. He sends us into the world. So we, church, are commissioned to go and set others free. That's what God wants your life. Speak into people's lives. We'd lay hands on the sick. We'd drive out demons in the name of Jesus. We'd set people free. Those whom Jesus trusts with authority will be like Jesus, not like Satan. Those who exalt themselves will not be those that Jesus trusts with authority. Those that humble themselves like Jesus humbled himself are those that he will trust. And so we want to be those who are under authority. And we live in a, rebe a rebellious culture. We live in a, a culture that, that says, don't you dare tell me what to do. Okay, And that culture comes into the church. And we find in the church even, don't you tell me what to do. 
All right? Now, we need to understand that God wants us to deal with that kind of thinking. Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account to God. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, so God re- requires of us that we submit to one another. And he requires of leaders that they give an account, that they are shepherds who love the sheep and who serve the sheep. This is the kind of thing God establishes godly, good authority, authority that sets people free. And he encourages us to submit into that. And so people who are under authority can be entrusted with authority. People involved in deliverance should have right relationship with those in authority over them. You see, the demons understand authority. Important. Okay, so the question isn't, what can a demon do to a believer? The question is, what can believers do to demons? All right? We can cast them out. In the authority of Jesus. Now, how do we do this? Okay, first of all, we need to understand our authority. Second of all, we create a safe space for people. Um, One of the questions that came through our life group this week uh, was, how do I know if I'm oppressed by a demon? Um, Let me just start by saying there are two unhelpful extremes The first extreme is we pretty much don't believe in demons. We never acknowledge them. We certainly never cast them out. And as you can see, that refusing to believe leads to great compromise and dis. For demons behind every bush, behind every sin, we blame Satan and his demons for everything that's happening, every bad thing that we experience. And the danger here is that, first of all, we don't actually take responsibility for the things that are for our own sin by blaming it on the devil. Okay? That's not okay. God wants us to own our own stuff. And to come before him in repentance, and then we'll clear out any room that the, that the enemy has to operate in our lives. Or secondly, the, the, uh, the danger of this looking for demons behind every bush is that we become fascinated with the work of the evil one, which is unhelpful and very unhealthy. So we don't assume that demons are behind everything bad that happens, everything bad in our lives, and we only really deal with demons If we're operating in the authority of Jesus and the church is a safe space for us to minister to one another in love and in joy and in in vulnerability, um, then what's going to happen is that there will be a place for people to confess sin, to repent of sin, and we will end up flushing out the demons so we can cast them out at that point. 
Now, what kinds of signs might you ex- exhibit if you are experiencing demonic oppression? Firstly, a uh, bondage to sin. So a cycle of repentance, uh, but going back to sin continually. Repent, go back to sin. Repent, go back to sin. If that's the cycle in your life, it's quite possible that, that, that you, you're experiencing uh, demonic influence in that area because you're bound by it. All the time, because we're also touching into an area of mental health here. So it can be a, a number of different things, but there can be demonic oppression when we're living in a place of tormented thinking. And thirdly, uh, uh, thirdly, thir- thirdly, uh, thirdly uh, emotional bondage, uh, areas where we just don't seem to be able to master our emotions. Maybe that there is trauma or pain uh, which has become a stronghold in our lives and in that area we are experiencing demonic oppression or influence. And we, at that point, we, we do need deliverance, but we also need healing. Okay, so we must pray for healing. Sometimes people need counseling, uh, but we must engage with stuff. Remember, what we bury alive is that fear binds us. When we're fearful, uh, it stops us moving forward. What happens in this passage is that um, a different fear comes. They begin to fear the Lord Jesus. And rather than being fearful of, oh, I've got to deal with this stuff, they're like, I want to get rid of this stuff. And so in the safe space of the church, what we actually want to be doing is bringing a healthy uh, love for one another that means we are quick to be vulnerable and to divulge the stuff that's going on so that we can be free. And so we need to create safe space for one another. Do you know, as I was processing this, I was talking with Joe the other day, and I've been really wrestling with how to find language to deal with this question of shame. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be embarrassed, or I don't want to. I don't want. Imagine if other people knew about this in my life. And so shame stops us becoming free. And and we are living in a society now which is so shame imprisoned that in the church, friends, we've beloved, we've got to break free of this. We've got to create space for one another to tell the truth. To be vulnerable, to divulge, because that's what happens when, when, when Jesus is exalted. People start saying, oh, by the way, this is going on. And if we don't create a, a space, listen, this is not about judgment. We're not passing judgment on each other. If we're in Christ, judgment has fallen on Jesus for our sin. What we need to do is get rid of our sin so that we can live in the freedom.
and, and bared for all the world to see. He was shamed for us. He took our shame so we don't need to live in shame anymore. And so God wants us free of that. And God wants the church free of shame. He wants us coming to one another and saying, hey, would you help me? I want to walk for Jesus. I want to walk in Jesus. I want to be free. So a community which is open and vulnerable, a right fear. You know, the word occult means hidden. Okay, so occultic things live in the dark. We need to expose them to the light. We need to bring them into the light. We need to be a community in which God can bring those things into light. We can never walk in authority and power if we keep things hidden. Ten verse, uh, 10 verse 4 talks about how we have power to demolish strongholds. Now, we talked about that two weeks ago. Now, how does Paul introduce that? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1, he says, I, Paul myself, entreat you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Oh, Paul, that's the wrong way to come at spiritual warfare. You need to come with strength. You need to bind it and cast it out and make a bit of noise. No, no, I come in the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. The authority is not in how loud my voice is. The authority is in who I serve. The authority is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I wield his authority. I don't need to be loud. I don't need to be angry. In fact, I can be very gentle. And so when we... You see, we are participants in our own getting free. And actually, often what will happen is the Holy Spirit will speak to us. about. So, so I'll often ask, uh, just as we've been talking, has the Holy Spirit brought anything to mind? Oh, a memory's come to mind. Okay, let's pray into that. What's happening is the Holy Spirit is leading us. The Holy Spirit's directing where we're going. And so, it's, and so sometimes uh, demonic manifestation will happen and we just shut it down. We say, hang on a second, let's deal with the repentance behind this first. Let's, let's just deal with the ground that that evil thing is inhabiting, the, the place where you've actually given them authority to operate in your life through wrong thinking, through partnering with lies, uh, through occultic practices, whatever, the strongholds that we talked about last week. You've given authority to that thing to, to operate in your life. We're going to shut down. It's very gentle with people. Our goal is not to embarrass people. It is to love and care for people in the process. Actually, what we're doing, the, 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 evil, one, uh, the evil one seeks to possess, to damage, to destroy. We do the opposite. We seek to give dignity. We seek to care. We seek to bring life. And so, so our ministry to one another is gentle and loving and caring and kind and, and involved. It gives dignity. Finally, clearing the ground. We have come out of Egypt. If you've put your trust in Jesus, you've come out of Egypt. 
Okay, it's that, that's the analogy. The analogy of Scripture is of this people that God has brought out of bondage and out of slavery through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. That's, that's the analogy. In the wilderness, it's like, uh, so you're set free from Egypt, but Egypt is still in you. And you need to get Egypt out of you. You need to begin to live fully. And so that's, the, that's what we do. We start to clear the ground. How do we do it? Number one, we worship together first. When we're praying for people, we start with worship. We just begin to lift the Lord Jesus high. We say, you have all authority in heaven on earth. We might sing a couple of songs. We would just proclaim the truth of who Jesus is before we confront anything. And then we go through repentance and renouncing. So uh, what I just said about removing the authority that Satan might have in somebody's life, we begin to deal with uh, whether it's family sin patterns of control through anger or fear, whether it's cultural things, uh, whether it's stuff to do with strongholds of Emotional wounds, we, we just pray through those things. We, we walk through repentance. We get people to renun- renounce things. And then, having done that, we take authority over the demons in the name of Jesus. And we just speak truth to them. Jesus Christ has the name that is above every other name. So in the name of Jesus, you're now to leave this person. Okay? Just, we just speak truth. The grave is empty. Sinners nailed to the cross. Jesus Christ has resurrected. He's now ascended to the right hand of the Father in glory. We just speak it over. And friends, there's power. We don't have to, we, <laughs> there's, no, there's no formula to this. It's just standing in the authority of Jesus and saying, out you go. Again, Neil Anderson just helpfully comments, freedom from spiritual conflicts. But the truth of God's word exposes him and his lie. His demons are like cockroaches that scurry for the shadows when the, light's, when the light comes on. Satan's power is in the lie. And when his lie is exposed by the truth, his plans are foiled. Can I just make one final comment? There have been a couple of times where I have been in sessions where we've been praying for someone to be set free from a demon where we've not seen freedom come. And after a little while, um, we have come to the point of stopping and asking the question, do you want to be free of this thing? And in those two circumstances, the first person said to us, I, uh, this is. Part of my personality. Who will I be if this thing is gone? Okay? And so we can hold on to things. We can allow them space. So the other situation was that there was uh, sin that they were not confessing. 
And uh, God gave us, after, after beginning, we began, we're like, what's going on here? Why is this thing not budging? And one of the, the guys who was praying with us just had a, a, a word about sin. He said, listen, I, I, <laughs> I hesitate to even say this, but is this true? And the person broke down immediately and confessed, repented of the sin, and out it came. All right? So we need to understand these things have power, but we have authority to defeat them when we live in the light. Okay? All right? Um, maybe that one or two of you know that God has set you free in the last little while, and you would be open to sharing. If that's the case, I'd love to invite you to come down right now as I as I pray, um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. If nobody comes, that's okay, that's fine. But what I'd like to do then is I'd like to just pray. So what I'd like to do right now is I'll invite you all to stand. Um, Maybe we could have the band up, but band, if you guys could not play for now, because what we're not trying to do is create an atmosphere. We're not trying to hype anything. We're just looking for the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit wants to set people free. Now, we're not looking really to do lots of public deliverance stuff this morning, because actually, uh, it's often, particularly in our Western context, it's more helpful to do So, but I am going to pray for God to bring freedom and healing. And it may well be that in your, as I've been speaking, you know I'm really not free in something. And you need to, to just get hold of us this week and say, hey, can I pray with somebody? We've actually had quite a lot of people just over these last two weeks, just exactly that happening, the Holy Spirit highlighting stuff. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray for us. And while I'm praying, if you do want to share what God has done for you in the last little while in terms of setting you free, why don't you come on down? And I'd really encourage you. <laughs> this is a great opportunity to break shame, okay? And just to come and be bold, just to lead out in that way, okay? Um, so I'm going to pray for us if you're willing to do that. love. We thank you that your agenda is not to control us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your way is not to say, I'll grab, I'll ascend, I'll become the greatest. But your trajectory is so opposite. You lay down your life, you serve, you love, you give mercy, you care for the poor. Jesus, we just honor you, and we say you're so magnificent. You're so worthy of our praise. We honor you, Jesus. We just say there's no one like you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, that in you, we, uh, as we put our trust in you, we can become new creations in Christ Jesus, that uh, we're born again in you, Lord Jesus, and our past is dealt with in the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that we can live into your resurrection life, even here on this earth, even knowing, Lord Jesus, we will pass through death.
us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and move on us? Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We invite you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Joe Crowell showed me a, a, a picture this week um, that he had uh, uh, painted. And, um, and in, in that picture, I just, if we could put it up, um, Doreen, have you got it there? <laughs> there we go. I welcome you. Come receive. Come receive healing. Come receive life. It's the gentle heart of a loving father. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be stay broken. You can experience my healing power. You can experience my life. Where there's sadness and grief. Increasingly, you can see my joy breaking into your life. So I just want to welcome you this morning in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, come. <laughs> come. All who are thirsty, come. If you know you need healing this morning, why don't you?